Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Can anybody imagine what's going on inside his head? He has an opportunity to go to victory lane, perhaps for the last time. This win's going to punch his ticket to the championship board. Jeff Gordon celebrating as much as we've ever seen. Yeah! We're going to Homestead! There's been 93 wins for Jeff Gordon, none sweeter than this one. Okay, Denny Hamlin, you've caught Tony Stewart. Now what are you going to do? thinking what do Martinsville and Sonoma have in common. Hi everyone, welcome to NASCAR America. Krista Voda here in our NBC Sports studio. Joined from NBC Charlotte by crew chief Steve Letarte and our Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. Guys, in baseball they call it a walk-off. In NASCAR we've seen two distinct walk-offs in the last two years. Jeff Gordon in 2015 at Martinsville, last year Tony Stewart at Sonoma. So we start today by wondering, could Dale Earnhardt Jr. do it too in his walk-off season? What's keeping him from winning at Sonoma or possibly at Daytona the week after Steve, to put himself in the playoffs. Well, I think you mentioned it. I really think Sonoma is a stepping stone to Daytona. I think his recent success at Sonoma, this was a track that the 88 and Dale Jr. absolutely struggled at. From the majority of his career, never even running inside the top 10. Even when he had good cards, he would find himself in the gravel by his own doing or someone else's. But lately, he has found a way to finish these races off. And really, when you look at the field, his average finish is as good or better than everyone. But he still has that issue of that right column, DJ, uh, zero laps led. So I look at Sonoma as a place he can go and maybe just right the ship, build some confidence so he can walk tall into Daytona the next week. Yes, I'm not going to tell you not to watch the race this weekend because it's going to be very entertaining. And Dale Jr. could very well go there and win. But I think what we've seen, Krista, over the years and these last two years in particular, when we have these walks, Walk-offs. It's at very special places that, that have been good to these drivers. Yeah. And where are we talking about in two weeks? That's Daytona. I think that's where Dale Jr. will have his better shot. But this is going to be a very entertaining race. And I think, once again, we could see this happen that gets him into the playoffs. Well, I think the key is they need just some improvement. And, and, and that's, I think, the difference. Uh, really, it's really not a lot different than Tony Stewart. So Jeff Gordon, I thought, was having a reasonable final season. He was up front running inside the top five, inside the top eight. What, what Dale Jr. needs to do is kind of find that lightning in the bottle that Tony Stewart found, which this 88, unfortunately, just hasn't been living up to the expectations of just the last few years for whatever the reason, whether they have slowed down or the competition sped up. Yeah. It's hard to really tell um, because what do you go by? If you look at his teammate Chase Elliott, zero wins. Teammate 
Casey Kane zero wins. Now the seven-time champion has yes. three wins. So it's it's always hard. But it's been like that with Hendrick Motorsports for years. They always seem to have two cars that can strike in the win column and two cars that can't. Dale Jr. hopes he's going to be that second car that gets in the win column. Yeah, I think that they've got some work to do still in that respect because when we've seen Jimmy Johnson win these races this year, yeah. this is Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time champion, making things happen and getting it yeah. done, not dominating the field. So I think they can, they've can they worked their way there. They're a lot better than they were, and hopefully uh, some magic is still there for them to perform. Uh, I want to veer off course a little bit. Um, what <laughs> Steve Letarte, are you in on the, the Lycra movement right now, uh, Bike Ride with Dale Jr.? I am. I, listen, we all have to find a way to stay in shape. A bike is a good way for me to not hurt my knees and my ankles. But I'm trying to help my good buddy get back to victory lane, right? It's going to be hot. Sonoma's always very tiring. Later in the show, we're going to have Max Pappas join us. He's going to tell you how physically demanding that 11-turn road course is out in the mountains. So you can either complain about it or you can do something about it. So yeah. we went on a bike ride. He's been on his bike a lot. He actually got me on a bike. So I would love to tell you that it was my idea, but uh, he's the motivator in that picture. Hey, that's great. You can help him out. Get yourself in That's good right. shape. Do all these. Krista, when you said veer off the track a little bit, I thought you were going to show video of me racing at Sonoma. Oh, that was good. Uh, maybe, <laughs> hey, you know what? It's a 90-minute show. Who knows what we have in store? <laughs> we are that there. <laughs> we are 15 races into the regular season. Here's the current playoff picture in the NASCAR Cup Series. Nine drivers led by Jimmy Johnson know they're in the playoffs based on having race wins. Joey Logano has a win, but it was ruled encumbered, so he has to rely on points right now, as do six others, including Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott. Remember, 16 drivers make NASCAR's postseason and race for the title. So when NASCAR first implemented a 16-driver playoff field, we said no way you'll have that many winners. The last few years, three to four drivers have been able to get in on points. But, DJ, with the number of power players still on the outside, will this be the year that points just aren't enough? Uh, it very well could be. Uh, but because we've had three of those winners so far, we have two weekends here coming up back-to-back -back that are what you might call wild-card weekends where, you know, literally a lot of people that haven't won have that opportunity and we'll have another at Watkins Land. So, you know, the first name that comes to mind is an A.J. Allmendinger yeah. there uh, at the road courses having that opportunity. So I think this very well. We might get there. I think that we see some improvement in teams. Obviously, Kyle Busch is going to win somewhere. Uh, you feel Kevin Harvick is going to win somewhere. Clint Boyer has shown uh, the ability to, to be up front and, and lead races. So uh, I think that that opportunity could be here. So as much as people are racing hard for points and you have to continue to do that, we very well could see that points don't matter here. Yeah, the volume is being turned up in that conversation, not just in the media and the fan base, but within the race teams as well. You mentioned the names, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. These are teams that are high in the points by regular standards. They are up well inside the top ten, normally a very safe place yeah. to think you're going to make the playoffs. And it's easy to say, oh, we're still safe, still safe. But you mentioned A.J. Allmendinger wins this week. Jamie McMurray wins next week. A very a very talented uh, restricted play driver, maybe it's Dale Jr., somebody who's far out in the points. There's another guy that kind of punches his ticket to the playoffs. That list is going to fill up quickly. And you mentioned it, Krista. I don't think it's the amount of winners that's surprising at this point. It is who has won. Austin Dillon has got the victory lane. Ricky Stenhouse, the two-time Xfinity champion, finally broke through and got his first win. So that is the concerning part. When you look at the names of winless drivers, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Jamie Murray, Denny Hamlet, all those drivers – have won multiple times other than Chase Elliott, and I don't think anyone would be surprised to see Chase win, Dale. Yeah. So it's going to be an exciting race to Richmond to set the 16-team playoff field. 
So we have covered spandex, Sonoma, and we've got steering wheels behind you guys. So that is what's coming up. We're just getting started on this 90-minute show. Here is what we have for you ahead. It was a belated birthday present, an early Father's Day gift, all rolled into one. We'll visit with the young man who had everyone reaching for the tissues last weekend. Rutledge Wood does what only Rutledge Wood can do. He asked some of the top drivers in NASCAR, listen to this, how they would handle a zombie apocalypse, because that is a totally normal question. And we'll drill down on Sonoma as the cup drivers approach the first road course of the season. And to do that, we'll bring in a very special guest, Max Pappas, a former driver himself, a coach for road course racing. He will school us next. Formula One is on NBCSN. Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton's race for the world championship continues by the sea. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix Sunday morning at 8 Eastern right here on NBCSN. And Formula One is just one of the many types of cars and series where our special guest has experience. Max Pappas has traveled the world many times over. He first raced in Formula One before switching over to Indy cars where he scored three victories. He was also successful in sports cars, winning several races, including the 24 Hours at Daytona. Eventually, he made his way to NASCAR, first as a racer competing in all three national touring series. There you see him with Martin Truex. And then as a mentor and coach to some of the sports up-and-coming stars. We want to welcome the pride of Como, Italy, Max Pappas, to the show. And you thought that region was just known as the vacation home of George Clooney. Not so fast. Max, I know the guys are going to ask you racing questions in a bit. So I want to talk a little bit more about you. Anyone who knows you knows you are energetic, emotional. Have you always been like that, even as a kid? I would definitely say that, uh, you know, being myself has always been a good thing. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think I learned it out of my, my mom. You know, she's a very energetic lady. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I can be a tough guy, but I say, you know, I prefer to give love. <laughs> That's impressive. That's an impressive resume, though. I mean, that the list of cars that you have driven when when I, you know, so you have a guy that has really grown up in NASCAR, another guy that's grown up in NASCAR. I respect the, the ability to go from one car to another. How, what makes the transition the most difficult, to go from Formula One to IndyCar to stock car? I mean, you've always been known as a road course expert, but you've had a lot of success in the ovals as well. Absolutely. First of all, I would say that, uh, you know, what really drove my career has been the love for the sport. You know, I've always done uh, what my heart told me to do. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I had a God gift, you know, that uh, helped me, you know, through my career. Uh, but I was going to say, because I love the sport, but, but I can't drive. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I know a lot of guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, I just felt that, uh, you know, uh, people can look at the things in a negative way and in a positive way. I had up and down. You know, I had success in certain career. I had to rebuild myself in others. And uh, I just enjoyed the fact that uh, challenges, you know, I, I like to push myself and I feel that, uh, you know, obviously, as I say, you know, I got the gift of being a race car driver, you know, but I think I would have applied this, you know, way of life in anything I would have done, no matter what. And uh, I think that's what, God, that's what God and what my family gave me. So now that, that even though you continue to race some, but uh, what everyone knows you in the garage area for now is helping young drivers uh, get that experience maybe that they need and, and help them further their career maybe in a quicker fashion. So where do you start with, with the, you see a young driver that has talent? Yeah, you know, I appreciate what you say. Like, you know, I feel that uh, I'm welcome in the garage because, uh, first of all, I'm myself. 
and uh, I have the I I have really felt that I've been able to you know engage and make people better not in terms of speed because speed is something that you cannot teach mm -hmm. but you can teach attitude you can teach leadership and uh, you know I've been fortunate to uh, yeah, work with a lot of people from Joe Logano to Austin Dillon Ty Dillon and recently you know my nowadays project is William Byron you know like someone that uh, I dearly love and I hope to see him uh, growing very quickly and uh, you know what you do with these guys is that you know, a lot of times people think that you can teach speed. You can teach everything that takes uh, to make that 2-3% difference that when you go up against other guys in the Cup Series, you know, that they maybe have the same talent that you have, you need that extra bit of difference that maybe comes from uh, being at the shop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, train on your bike. You know, that leadership that takes, you know, to make a P10 car at times finishing P7, P8, right. and those points are what makes you a champion. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the, the, the most misunderstood part, I think, of any racing is the fan wants to make it a video game. If you press the right buttons, you go fast. But you've had the unique ability to see my idols, which are, which, you know, span all of motorsports, yeah. whether it's Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, sports car, and those types of things that you have to instill in those younger generation drivers. Is it the same sort of success? You know, you have stood at the top, you stood at the top of the podium. When you see one of your protégés or one of your students do that, does it fill the same sort of bucket? I would have never thought uh, that it, I would have had satisfaction to see someone else except me winning. That's right. Spoken like a true race car driver. Yeah. I love that. That's true. And uh, and I got satisfaction. I'm sure the satisfaction comes from the people that you so, you get surrounded mm -hmm. with, uh, and uh, the fact that uh, when you are someone, when you're a real champion, you, you know how to give back. And uh, the people I've been fortunate to work with, uh, they knew that uh, uh, they were able to give back something to me even when they won. It was not just as selfish things. And, uh, and as you mentioned before, you know, when you reach a certain level in the sport, uh, the difference at times is uh, how much you are willing to put in. Right. And uh, you see, like, greatest champion have one thing in common. You know, luck doesn't exist. It's hard work and preparation. Right. So when you get these young drivers, uh, do you work more with their technique as you learn their driving uh, styles or is it more about getting their attitude right and, and getting the proper focus before you even get into what they do on the track? Uh, that's a good question. You know, what I work most uh, is uh, you know, figuring out uh, what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses on the human side and, uh, and trying to improve uh, communication, you know, try to improve uh, you know, to make those bad days a little bit better. Because mm -hmm. when it's a good day, everyone is good to win. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's a bad day, is what you need to, when you need to make the best out of it. And I think that that would kind of summarize a little bit more. And mm -hmm. obviously there is a lot of work uh, outside the track. Physical training, mental training. Uh, you know, we use every tool we can, from the go-kart track uh, to the bicycle to lights and a lot of different things to make yourself better. All the things that, uh, you know, help me. And at the end of the day, you know, the, you know, DJ, what I learned is this. At times, you just want to have a shoulder you can lean on. Yeah. And at times, you know, that's uh, what you got to be, you know. For sure, I'm ain't a babysitter, you know, <laughs> but I am someone that uh, loves to give. See, Kristen, I'm not the only one on a bike.
Max puts his guys on a bike. I know, and I was just thinking, I have the same system here. When a light turns on, that's when I talk. So it's it's really very similar. <laughs> um, I, some people may not realize that your father-in-law, Emerson Fittipaldi, were holidays and, and get-togethers always just filled with racing? Uh, basically, yes. You know, <laughs> I have a nephew who is racing in Europe, Pietro Fittipaldi. The other nephew racing in Europe, Emerson Fittipaldi, just a couple of times Formula One World Champion. And uh, friends like this guy, so... <laughs> It's all about racing. That's a lot of fun. Well, coming up two years ago, we're going to continue to talk about racing, by the way, with Max Pappas. But we're also going to show you why when he won his first truck series race 16 years to the day after his dad won his first cup race, it was big. But why did last weekend's win feel even more emotional? We'll ask John Hunter Nemechek next. NASCAR America is moving to a new time beginning Monday, July 3rd. We're on at 5 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on NBCSN. Tell your friends, set your DVR, spread the word, 5 p.m. Eastern, just in time for your 4th of July celebrations. Well, sports is all about emotion. We saw it on display this past weekend in NASCAR's Camping World Truck Series, courtesy of a young driver who has been around racing since the day he was born. Crafton had a pretty good lead going into turns three and four, but now he's got some unwanted company in the form of John Hunter Nemechek. John Hunter Nemechek, it's a great run into turn number one. Pulls up alongside Matt Crafton, takes the top spot by the time they get to the back straight away. Checkered flag in the air. John Hunter Nemechek wins the drive-in for Lineman 200 at Gateway. And John Hunter Nemechek takes the TBC group and Nemco Motorsports back to victory lane. It's definitely an emotional win. Uh, all the hard work that goes in, um, everyone works their tails off, and we haven't had the best of luck this year. Um, and getting in victory lane when we needed to, God is great. I can't thank him enough. Being faithful, uh, I knew all the hard work would pay off. So this is awesome uh, Father's Day present for Dad here and team owner. I was hoping that there wasn't going to be a caution. Those guys didn't pick tires in front of me, and we took two that last strategy. So Todd Bodine, our strategy worked off. Jerry Kennan was awesome. So got to thank Dad, Jerry Kennan, uh, Austin C, Ronnie, um, Courtney, PR girl. I got to thank everyone, uh, my mom, my whole family, my sisters for all the support. Well, that emotion resonated not just with fans, but with the drivers who have raced against uh, him or watched him grow up. Congratulatory tweets from Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez, and crew chief Rodney Childers poured in. Dave Burns went by the shop to see if the freshly turned 20, yet yeah, 20-year-old, has come down off cloud nine. Well, and the waterworks are hereditary. I've known Joe for a long time and doesn't fall far from the tree there. But there's always something behind the tears, John Hunter. Um, life throws stuff at you, good and bad. So I know there was a lot packed into that. What was going through your mind in victory lane? There's a lot of emotion from starting off the season. It's been an up-and-down season for us. We've taken really good race trucks to the racetrack. We've run really well throughout the race. We just haven't had the finishes we've needed. And you could tell that the morale in the shop was starting to get low. Um, everyone wasn't wanting to work as many hours. But um, as a small team with only seven employees, you have to work a lot of hours to get to the racetrack each week. So um, to get to victory lane, it just made it that much sweeter to know that all the hard work was paying off. Can you take me through that small team aspect a little bit? What's a typical day like for you here? For me, um, being able to come to the race shop, um, work out in the morning, work with the guys all day, and then uh, depending on what goes on in the afternoon, how many hours we need to work through the night. Um, I know we're here 
Monday night, actually, um, working until 2 a.m. with a few of our guys getting our gateway truck turned around to go to Iowa. So um, that was kind of crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a lot of fun in the shop joking around late at night, and uh, hopefully it'll be another race winner this weekend. Well, when you end up beating the larger teams, what is something about this place then, then come back to you, um, some aspect that you think of, because it, it's kind of like David beating Goliath. Yeah, I just have to say the personnel and funding right now, um, struggling on a somewhat smaller budget than most of the bigger teams out there. Um, I know everyone is still trying to look for sponsorship, but um, not knowing how many races we're going to be able to get to here in the near future, um, hopefully we can finish out the season running a full season. And now that they're quali we're qualified to run in the chase and the playoffs, hopefully we can make it to Homestead Miami and be able to compete for the championship. But this shop is special. There's a lot of history here, and we just keep adding to it with all of our wins. I want to talk about that playoff thing. Uh, yeah, you're in, but you don't know because of funding whether or not 100% you're going to get there. You had some good news to talk about this week. Tell us about that, but then what it's like to know that, man, I've just got to keep trying and trying to get that name on the side. Yeah, i got to thank Shannon and Connie from Fire Alarm Services for believing in me. Um, they just added three more races, so the next three races they're on board um, as well as I think five more for the rest of the year. Um, so it's definitely going to be a fun time with them. Hopefully we can get them to Victory Lane. Um, I know that they weren't on there at Gateway, but I uh, definitely talked to them in Victory Lane and uh, had a good time. So looking forward to Iowa, um, hopefully going out there, showing what we can do and getting another win. And as far as you know, how many races are you short right now as far as getting to the track? I think there's seven or eight races right now that we're short, um, so definitely need to find some more funding, but um, it's a great opportunity, and we're going to keep working our tails off to make sure that we provide the best trucks we can, and um, as well as looking for sponsorship. Yeah, that, that phrase, your name here, has never been truer, so find a spot uh, on his truck. Let's talk about the next one coming up, Iowa. Uh, pole last year, which was great for you, but the finishes haven't been that kind to you. What are you looking forward to in Iowa? Going back there, um, I feel like going back there, we have to redeem ourselves, and our team is ready to do so. We're going back, same truck, um, same setup, so hopefully we won't, we won't have to adjust on it too much throughout the weekend. As long as everything goes smooth and we don't make any mistakes um, throughout practice, qualifying, and the race, we will be a contender at the end. And where does Iowa fit for you, kind of in your wheelhouse, or are there other tracks that are more amenable to you, or what do you think of Iowa? Iowa, it definitely is a driver's racetrack. Um, it's a short track, but it races like a mile and a half. So you have to have your truck really good. You have to have it stable. Um, but from a driver's standpoint, you have to know how to use the aerodynamics in order to get around there, um, how to race other trucks, um, which we've been pretty good at mile and a half from looking at our records. So um, hopefully we can... Uh, scratch another short track win into our books. That's right. Chicagoland, Atlanta on his win list, so he's done very well on those. This weekend, the short track in Iowa, hopefully another victory lane celebration for John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, such a special moment. And I know we heard from John Hunter there, but Dale, as a dad with kids just a few years older than John Hunter, I'm sure you related to what Joe's emotions must have been in victory lane too. Yeah, you know, it's a, a great family organization and a family win there. And this young man is very, very talented. And I think the uphill battle and climb that he talks about uh, sometimes can be beneficial. You know, so many times this day and time we don't see drivers have to really struggle coming up through working on the cars, working to 2 a.m. We remember what that's like, Steve. But to see him, he's very talented. And if they can get the right opportunity and get him in the right situation, he's got a huge 
career ahead of him. Uh, to see him work as hard as he does to take opportunities like it presented itself last Saturday night and, and be able to get to victory lane. Uh, you, you just understand that as a dad, I can identify where Joe is at. You always want to see your kids have success. You have a son that races. Right. Yeah. You know what that's like. So it's a lot of fun when you can see that. But again, this is a family that has literally put their heart and soul, everything into the world of NASCAR racing for a lot of years. And to see them be able to have success uh, really means a lot. And I think gives a lot of people hope that they can continue with this. Well, I think that's really the key, Chris, is this story is it's much bigger than John Hunter Nemechek because you mentioned Joe and Joe lost a brother, John, in a Camping World Truck Series crash years ago down at the Miami Speedway. I think that, you know, this is a touching story because in today's world of NASCAR, where we talk about manufacturers, huge organizations, alliances, all of these things that continuing day in and day out are part of the news cycle. It's wonderful to remember the little engine that could, and that's really what this entire race team is. Nemco has been around for years, whether it was Joe driving in the Xfinity Series mm -hmm. or whether it's now John Hunter trying to cut his teeth in the Truck Series, and the fact that they really have done it their own way. We see so many young drivers come up and hope to get that shot with Hendrick or with the Junior Motorsports. But this has always been a family-run organization. John, I think, has has really committed to his father. You know, and I think he has the opportunity. His skill set's there. I think yes. other owners are seeing him. But whenever I sit down and talk to Joe, his number one goal is providing his son with an opportunity just to showcase his talent. He believes in his son, has believed in his son that could get to the next level. He just wants to help him. And that is a long, tough battle, Krista. And this family has endured it for many years. Yeah, they have. And you mentioned uh, Joe's brother, John, who was killed in that accident. That's who John Hunter is named after. So they take their racing and their family and that family closeness very seriously. It was not John Hunter's first win, but it was his first this season. And as he said, it means he's virtually guaranteed a spot in the playoffs if he gets the funding on his truck to continue throughout the entire season. John Hunter Nemechek and the rest of the Truck Series drivers will be at the Iowa Speedway this weekend. As for the Cup Series, they're off to Napa Valley and the 12-turn Sonoma Raceway. We've got our own road course ringer, Max Pappas. He's going to tell us why the most challenging parts might not be the most obvious. That is coming up. Starting July 5th, every Wednesday, NASCAR America will be live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Each show will have our drivers along with a current Cup or Xfinity driver showcasing their journey to NASCAR. So keep an eye out starting July 5th. So that means you get a date with DJ every Wednesday. Dale, you are one of only 45 men in the Hall of Fame. Pretty cool that you guys are inviting drivers into the place that they someday want to be. Yeah, I'm really excited about this opportunity, and, and now drivers have something to aspire to. You know, when I started, there was no Hall of Fame. You didn't think about that. You know, it's about getting checkered flags and winning as many races as you could, but now uh, they have that opportunity to see if you can put together a great career, then there's an opportunity for everyone to see what you were able to accomplish through that. All right, well, now I'm going to turn things over to you guys. I want you to <laughs> teach us about Sonoma from an insider's perspective. Well, I'm glad we brought in the expert. As Sonoma <laughs> yeah, is, is probably, so. without a doubt, one of the trickiest road courses around the country. We talk about Watkins Glen, very high speed, sweeping corners, a lot of downforce. Uh, you look at the 24 hours of Daytona, has the infield section, a high bank section. You have Road America. But none of them, Max, strike me like Sonoma. There's no straightaways. There's no breath. There's no time to relax at all. It's like the short tracks of road courses. 
Let me tell you, if NASCAR wanted to choose a track as far distance from uh, Novo, they choose the right one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, it is, uh, I can understand why some of the old-style guy kind of hated to go there. Yeah. You know, because uh, it's as far away, you know, you need to use all the road racing technique. You know, you need to know, you know, how to modulate the brake, you know, do all this kind of stuff that, uh, you know, basically when you run on a Novo, your brake pedal, it, you know, it sets your ride height. You know, it's just more like a scrabbing speed, you know, find the right uh, mm -hmm. angle. And when you are on an oval, what I learned that it took a while for me to understand, you go, you go where the grip is. Right. You know, so there is not a line. You go on a road course, first of all, you are sitting in the car in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of looking out of the left, uh, you know, bottom corner, you look out of the, of the front of the window. Mm -hmm. You know, everything has to be ergonomically correct, and then maybe we can talk about that later. Yeah. And... Uh, Everything, you know, the technique, the way, you know, the smoothness, the way you apply power, the way you short shift, you know, it is basically as far as you can have from an oval. And uh, I can see why some people, uh, you know, back in the day, they didn't <laughs> want to go there. <laughs> well, let's talk about Sonoma uh, in particular. And we've got a little video here that, that we can roll and you can uh, take us through the laps and show why Absolutely. it is so difficult. I mean, uh, first of all, you know, that turn one in itself is really challenging. You're going up the hill. You know, you're downshifting into second in turn two, you know, off-road camber there, you know, off-camber, sorry. You know, easy to, uh, to go off. You know, three and four, you know, super challenging. The corner coming up here, you know, basically you don't see anything. And then you go down for turn 4A, one of the most difficult corners. You have to be downshift, will hop. That curb on the left side is giant. When yeah. you go on it, you think you're going to fly off the track. And uh, it's... Uh, you know, just in that 10 seconds, I'm already tired. Well, that's my, that's my point. Yeah. That's Sonoma. So we go to Charlotte. There's one and two, three and four. Go to Pocono, there might be three corners. That right there is more information and more corners than any other race we're going to see the NASCAR series goes to all year long. So your approach. We're going to continue lap and finish lap. For right now, though, how do you even approach it? I mean, that was four completely different corners. What, to you, is the most sensitive part of the racetrack? We've climbed the hill so far. Is that the hardest, or is it farther around the lap? It is actually the last corner was one of the most important, the turn four. Mm -hmm. But as you said, you know, uh, the ability of a driver to communicate with the crew chief and say, you know, this corner is on me. Right. This yeah. corner, you can fix it. Because basically, around Sonoma would be like racing, uh, you know, one corner is Martinsville, another corner is Charlotte, another corner is Texas. Yeah. So you've got to understand that your car cannot perform at 100% in every corner. Yeah. I'm glad he knows that, DJ, because yeah. all the ones he just listed, I didn't work on any of those. Yeah. Those were all the, all the drivers' And what you were talking about, the off-camera, when you're up on turn two, you've got the car is light, and it's off-camera, you're going away. So there you're going, you're in second gear, you were talking, but you're getting ready to go to third, and the, the seat and everything about the car has you going back away from where you need to be shifting. So that Absolutely. gets into the problems that you encounter. Dale, you know, when you run on, if you run on a Novo, I could sit uh, in Austin Dillon car, you know, even if it's much shorter than me and run mm -hmm. four laps and kind of be semi-competitive. I would never be able to do that on a road course. Yeah. My pedal needs to be in the right spot. As you mentioned, you know, you're going out there between turn two and turn three. You know, you are actually leaning on the opposite side of what you usually do mm -hmm. on an oval. Yeah. Right. You got to reach. And uh, if your shifter, you know, is a quarter of an inch more to the right or the left than what it should be, you know, it's enough you miss one shift yeah. and your day's over. Well, yeah. we just saw that with Dale Jr. Pocono. One missed shift ended his day. So yeah. now we've climbed the hill in Sonoma. We've gone all the way up through 3, 3 and into 4, which is kind of downhill. Now we're coming out of turn 4 across to 7, Max. Uh, breaking for 7, one of the most challenging ones. 
really bumpy, you know, you can get really well hop, and then I think this is the part where most of the NASCAR driver really hates. You know, yeah. going from first to second to third, short shifting, you know, while trying to make speed, and, uh, you know, heading towards that infamous turn 10, if oh. you want to call it that. Yeah. Yes. You know, you are braking, you are exactly twisted in the wrong spot, you know, in the car, you're down one gear, and uh, let me tell you, as uh, we just mentioned in 10 seconds, uh, 10 different things that can go wrong. Right. And the most important things, uh, when I approach road racing, I always say, do what is in my control at my best. Yeah. You know, it's easy to say stay on the black. Right. You know, yeah. it's a lot more than that. You know, that's why at times, you know, when I joined the NASCAR in the beginning, you know, it was people thought I was really precise on where I wanted my pedals and everything. And uh, I kind of slowly uh, make people understand that it's not that I do that because I like that. I need. That's right. I need, you know, as you say, you no. Know, in an oval, you go first, second, third, fourth, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, here, you know, you're, you know, you shift 12 times a lap in a, in, a, in a race is 1,320 times. And one miss one injury. Yeah. Those, those odds that's are good. So you did mention one thing. You talk about shifting. I think we should explain to our fans. So short shifting. So short shifting is basically a technique. From a driver's standpoint, you want to basically hook up the rear tires. So there's areas at Sonoma very low on grip. So when you talk about short shifting, you actually shift up a gear before the engine needs Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Like, you know, Steve, no, let's talk about it you know, in very simple term. I mean, this thing is a rocket ship. Right. You know, like, you know, in first gear, you could spin, you know, you could floor it and spin it for as long as you want. Right. So, you know, you can't just use all the power you have, but you want the power. Right. So in order to go forward and make speed, mm-hmm. you cannot use all the eight, 800 horsepower you have. So you got a short shift. That means instead of, instead of shifting at 9,000, shift at 6,000. You know, but while you do that, you know, all your technique need to be done at the right time, you know, so that you actually make speed. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can short shift uh, 500 RPM too early and actually go slower. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it, there are a lot of little things that makes uh, a really good road racer. Well, we're getting to the area at Sonoma that makes a crew chief happy because <laughs> these are the corners I always focused on, 9, 10, and into 11. Absolutely. So right here, you're coming out of 9. This transition into this tough right-hander turn 10 always gets people in trouble. Super fast, first of all, you know, blind when you turn in. And this part doesn't really make justice of how challenging this track is. Right before breaking for, uh, you know, for turn 11, there is a huge elevation change. Mm-hmm. Your back end of the car squats down, and exactly when you got a brake, it comes up. And uh, when you're really good, you know you can go through that hump and then go on the brake. When you don't have a lot of confidence, uh, you got to brake a little earlier, and that you know makes a big difference. Yeah. Max, as a driver and very accomplished driver such as yourself, when you approach like turn 11, which you know is one of the most important corners, and we saw Denny Hamlin, who normally isn't someone to charge the corners and get a car wheel hopping, but looking in the mirror, how much did you try to stay away from that or knowing that someone, that is an area that some might, someone might be charging you to make a pass? How much did you look in the mirror or did you just concentrate on what you needed to do? What I always learned it was that... Uh, you got to look in the mirror in the previous corner, mm-hmm. then focus on your braking zone and do the best you can. If you do the best you can, most of the time you're going to come out in the lead. Right. You know, if you're worrying about what's happening on the back, uh, you, the, everything comes up really quick. You know, it's a blur. You know, your braking zone, you know, you don't go by a number. You just go by visual. 
And if you're focused and, you know, you look up in the rearview mirror, it might be only 20 feet difference, you know, if you break breaking earlier or later. And uh, that's a really easy mistake that people do, you know, driving in the rearview mirror instead of driving out of the windshield. Right. And, uh, and I always say the best defense is being offensive. Mm-hmm. you got to be on the attack and uh, see what's what happening. What could go wrong? we got yeah. 12 corners, 12 yeah. shifts every lap for 1,300 shifts, Krista. I mean, it seems pretty simple. I, I don't really understand what the big deal is. Yeah, right. I impress uh, Max, not just a road course uh, coach. I feel like he's a life coach. I'm writing stuff down. Do what is in my control the best. That can apply to, to life. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have for us coming up. Uh, what else we have he walked away from an incredibly wicked crash in last month's Indy 500. Now, he's surprising a young fan who was brought to tears with concern for her favorite driver. She's about to cry again, and likely so will you. The Verizon IndyCar Series is on NBCSN. As the title race heats up, IndyCar goes into the Wisconsin woods. The Kohler Grand Prix at Road America, Sunday at 1230 Eastern on NBCSN. And let's take you back to last month's Indianapolis 500. Oh, on lap 53, pole sitter Scott Dixon involved in a scary crash in turn two with fellow driver Jay Howard. Miraculously, Dixon walked away from the wreck. After being released from the infield care center, Scott simply called the crash a wild ride. Wow. Immediately following that race, IndyCar received a letter from a female fan thanking the series for keeping her favorite driver safe. Here's the thing. That fan, Lucy, is only nine years old. IndyCar and Scott Dixon himself decided to surprise Lucy with a visit. Can you do me a favor? Go up and ask. This guy might be able to help me to carry this gift in. He just pulled in. It's a buddy of mine. So ask him if maybe he might be able to help. <laughs> How are you? Hi. I get a big hug. It's very nice to meet you. I made the mistake of watching that before I put on my makeup. Needless to say, I had to do a full redo. Um, very emotional. You can see the full version actually on Twitter at IndyCar, but really special for Scott to visit Lucy, her family, and bring her a ton of gifts. Lucy said she's been watching IndyCar her whole life, which again amounts to all of nine years. Well, we're heading into a very exciting part of our NASCAR season. We wish Fox well in their final Cup Series telecast of the year. The remaining 20 races, 10 in the regular season and 10 in the playoffs, will be seen on NBC and NBCSN. Here is some of what we'll bring you starting next week. NASCAR America gets you ready for Daytona with shows on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all of those at 5.30 Eastern. We'll recap Sonoma on Monday, be joined by Matt Tiff and Brennan Poole on Tuesday as NASCAR continues to salute the U.S. Armed Forces. Then for the Wednesday show, Steve Letarte and Marty Snyder will be down in Daytona. Thursday, cars are on track for Xfinity and Cup Series practices, followed by NASCAR America Live, and I'll be joined by DJ and Kyle Petty. We'll be in Daytona and have that for you then. At 7 p.m. Eastern, still on Thursday, a very special NASCAR throwback. We will bring you the 2004 Daytona 500, which was won by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Drivers from that race and current drivers will be tweeting during the broadcast. You can join in on the action and send us, if you were at that race, send us your photos. Friday night, we'll bring you the Xfinity Series race from Daytona. That will air right here on NBCSN. 
Whoa, Saturday night. We'll be over on NBC, the main event, the Coke Zero 400, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last race at Daytona, perhaps his best chance to get into the playoffs. And we don't want to forget a couple of other noteworthy items. Starting July 5th, every Wednesday, NASCAR America will be live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Each show will have our drivers along with a current Cup or Xfinity driver. It'll be really exciting. And starting Monday, July 3rd, NASCAR America moves to 5 p.m. Eastern every weekday. Coming up, much more on Sonoma. What do our Parker Kligerman, uh, what does he have in common with Cincinnati Bengals quarterback A.J. McCarron? They both love iRacing. Who day? Parker jumps in the simulator and takes a few laps around the two-mile road course next. This day in NASCAR history, 2003, in a battle between road course aces Robbie Gordon, holding off a late charge from fellow California native Jeff Gordon to win at Sonoma Raceway. This was Robbie's second Cup Series win, first since the 2001 season finale at New Hampshire. Gordon, Robbie that is, went on to win at Watkins Glen to sweep both road course events on the Cup schedule. Here is a look at this weekend's schedule. The Truck Series kicks things off from Iowa on Friday at 8.30 Eastern. Then Xfinity hits the track on Saturday, also from the Iowa Speedway. The green flag drops for the Cup Series at Sonoma at 3 Eastern on Sunday. All races on FS1. If you're heading to the track, kids 12 and under, free at all NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series races. Visit NASCAR.com slash kids ticks for more information. Well, we have shown you some of the interesting aspects of the road course at Sonoma. So let's check in now with Parker Kligerman as he gives us a front row seat for what it's like to navigate all those twists and turns. We're coming down the front straight right here, up to third gear, one of the fastest sections on Sonoma Raceway. As we go off into turn one, you're going to let the car roll, roll, roll. Now in the brakes hard up the hill. Let the car slow because of the gravity of the hill. Then as you get to the top, some drivers use first. I prefer second to let the car get the power down into the second set of S's. Now you got to choose where you place this car over this blind crest and try to get the power down at the same time. Very tough. Into one of the coolest corners here, turn four. You're going to destroy this curve. Get the car on two tires. Back in the throttle hard in second gear and into turn seven, one of the slowest corners. First gear, let the car roll really hard to get the power down as you try to get accelerated here into the S's. And this portion of the racetrack is the rhythm section. You've got to nail the rhythm here to get the speed you want. Then as you come over this crest once again, you're putting the power down into third gear and into one of the fastest corners here, turn 10. Let the car roll a ton of speed in third gear and then into one of the most famous corners, turn 11, the hairpin, really easy to lock the rear tires under braking and then you let the car roll once again and try to get that power down in first gear. You notice how technical this racetrack is, how tight it is. So you may be wondering, where do you actually pass? Well, it's not gonna happen down here in turn one. It's not gonna happen in turn two or up these S's unless the drivers in front of you make a mistake. And for much of the race, you're gonna be conserving those rear tires. But what you're gonna be doing as you come through this first section into the second set of S's, you're going to be trying to set yourself up close enough to those cars in front of you for where you can pass. So as we come down to turn four, right on the back of the car in front of me, I want to get a good run off this corner, right into their rear bumper, get to the inside, and now I've got the position down into turn seven. Into first gear, I'm going to try and take this position, hold them off, 
get back in the gas. And now, as we get through the S's, I've got them. I've got the position that I want as we come up with this group of cars in front of us. This is how tight this place can get. And now, if I want to make another pass, there's only one other place to do it. That's going to be down in turn 11. So as I come through into turn 10, I want to get a very good run on the car in front of us. And just like you saw in turn 7, you're going to stick that nose out, get them spooked. They're going to try and block you as you go in here. Don't get in those tires. Let the car roll the speed. Try to hold the inside. And then once again, get the power down off the corner and accelerate towards the start-finish line. That can be the difference between winning or losing at Sonoma Raceway, Krista. And that was me in the 44 spinning out, by the way. Another element to this weekend, Kevin Harvick leads a trio of Cup Series drivers, uh, along with Blaney and Suarez, racing in Saturday's K&N Pro Series West Race at Sonoma. Not a surprise to see some of the young Cup guys in this race, but Kevin Harvick? I'm interested this weekend to, to see um, what difference that the low downforce package makes at a road course, because I think it's going to be uh, a lot less grip. Um, you know, and, and Sonoma in the past has had a lot of trouble of, of getting the car to hook up off the corners. But on the flip side of that, you have stage racing this year. I think it's 25, 50, and then 110. So it's, um, you know, those those first two stages aren't even really in a, you don't even have to run the car out of gas. So you don't have to worry about trying to get the get the tires to last till the end of the end of the stage. So it'll be interesting to, to see how all that plays out. It will be. Let's turn back to you guys. Is that where you want to start is Kevin Harvick? That wasn't me, by the way, in that 44. I just want to point out. But this is interesting. You know, Harvick doing a little, I guess you'd say, extra credit. Yeah, I mean, I think what that proves, though, is just how different Sonoma is. That a, a, a NASCAR champion like Kevin Harvick, Max, would go out there and go, this isn't Xfinity or Trucks, and this isn't a knock on K&N, but the chance that he could literally go get outrun by some drivers that the fans have never even heard of. Absolutely. No, that proves to all the young guys that seat time is everything. So, you know, like a basketball player is home and he practices uh, his shots, you know, Kevin is going to do the K&N race uh, mainly to build his experience. And that talks tons of uh, humbleness, preparation, and uh, keeping a very close eye on the big picture. You know, the Sunday afternoon and uh, whatever you can do to get, be better prepared for those last 20, 30 laps, you got to do it. Oh, so, DJ, I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot because the road course ringer, the road course expert, he probably loved unloading on Friday, had a lot of comfort at Sonoma. We talked about preparation. We see iRacing, all the manufacturers now have simulators. Explain to the fan base as someone who self-admittedly isn't the, in love with Sonoma Raceway what that Friday is like when you only have 90 minutes to get it figured out before qualifying. Well, it took me a couple of years to figure out that part of Sonoma wasn't a dirt track. So I will tell you that much. So, yeah, it was difficult because, you know, I, that wasn't my background. And so trying to figure out how fast I could go, knowing, you know, in, in the days, they have good backup cars now, but you prepare one car. Right. So trying to go find the limits, Max, is difficult for a driver that, that's not accustomed to doing this all the time. And, and so I think that's what made it difficult was finding out how far I could go and making sure that when it came time to qualify, because we wanted a good starting spot, because passing is so difficult there, that that always made it difficult for myself. I think Kevin Harvick brings up a good point about the lower downforce here. I think it really could make a difference in the higher speed parts of this racetrack and getting the rear tires hooked up. And as well, to kind of, uh, you know, make it real with the spectator, basically, you can maybe, maybe run 20 laps before qualifying. That means 20 yeah. minutes right. of practice. Mm -hmm. And then, basically, you got to go and play the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. 
It's tough. Yeah. You know, it's tough to do it. And uh, obviously, for me, the less practice you guys had, the better <laughs> it was. But the more practice you guys had, you know, you caught up, you caught up. And that's maybe the reason why I'm here talking to you guys. I'm not sitting in the car because the road, road course ringer are kind of disappeared. And, you know, they, he, Kevin mentioned the stages in the race. But one thing that's changed over the years at Sonoma before you ever get to the race is qualifying. Yeah. Well, now there's this group qualifying, multiple cars on the racetrack at once. And Watkins Glen is very wide. You can get out of the way. Ovals, you can use the apron. Well, at Sonoma, there's no escape. Not so much on your lap. But it's a long way, Max. You cross the start-finish line. You have to come all the way back around to pit road. What do you do to stay out of somebody else's way? We've seen more cars blocked on their qualifying lap at Sonoma than perhaps any other track. I really feel that qualifying is going to be a way where you're going to see the real personality of people. You will understand who uh, has respect for others, who doesn't. And uh, it doesn't take much to be out of the way. You know, but when you well, then I got to make some phone calls because there was a lot of guys in our way a few years ago. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> most of the time is on purpose. Yeah, and it doesn't always just have to be in the way. You can run off the track and throw some dirt, Absolutely. gravel up on the track in certain parts of it for someone coming behind you. So, as you pointed out, we're going to see the personalities and what people are really made of. Uh, but they're competitors, and they want to do well. It's all about uh, making the best of what you have, and at times, you know, you know. To win, you gotta go a little bit above. <laughs> well, and now, Krista, we talk a lot about Sonoma, we talk a lot about Watkins Glen. Well, you look again to next year, the talk conversation of Charlotte adding that road course in the playoffs. Now we'll be up to three road courses. So, all this stuff that Max is talking about and all the stuff that the regulars need to learn and lean on is only becoming more and more valuable as the seasons continue and we see more road course racing. But, absolutely, you know, Steve, like as you've seen, uh, you know, you see Kevin Harvey go and run the KN car. You know, Jimmy Johnson learned, you know, to be the, you know, and win races. You know, he went all the way to run Daytona 24-hour and everything. Mm -hmm. It's all about how much, you know, time you want to put in. And next year, you know, with the road course, uh, you know, here in Charlotte will be amazing. You know, I think it's going to be a great show. And uh, adding those two, three extra shift uh, ain't going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah, amazing because of that. I mean, it's just, you know, they're all different. You talk how different Sonoma is to Watkins Glen. Uh, the Charlotte race, I think we're all going to sort of be on the edge of our seat to see what happens. But for you, knowing uh, the, the nuances as you do, I like that you use the word amazing, Max. That's how you sum it up. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, when uh, you throw something new and a new challenge, uh, it's always something like you know, the, the people that really love the sport are going to raise up to the task. Yeah. And uh, both on the car side, on the driving side, and it's going to be all about preparation. And uh, I think it's, you know, who is a champion is going to really come up. All right. We can't wait to see that next season. But up next, the road trip. It's nearly done. If you're going to get a souvenir, your time is almost up. We will make our final two stops on the 50 States in 50 Shows Tour next. This day in NASCAR history, 2003, in a battle between road course aces Robbie Gordon, holding off a late charge from fellow California native Jeff Gordon to win at Sonoma Raceway. This was Robbie's second Cup Series win, first since the 2001 season finale at New Hampshire. Gordon, Robbie that is, went on to win at Watkins Glen to sweep both road course events on the Cup schedule. Here is a look at this weekend's schedule. 
The Truck Series kicks things off from Iowa on Friday at 8.30 Eastern. Then Xfinity hits the track on Saturday, also from the Iowa Speedway. The green flag drops for the Cup Series at Sonoma at 3 Eastern on Sunday. All races on FS1. If you're heading to the track, kids 12 and under, free at all NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series races. Visit NASCAR.com slash ticks for more information. Well, we have shown you some of the interesting aspects of the road course at Sonoma. So let's check in now with Parker Kligerman as he gives us a front row seat for what it's like to navigate all those twists and turns. We're coming down the front straight right here, up to third gear, one of the fastest sections on Sonoma Raceway. As we go off into turn one, you're going to let the car roll, roll, roll. Now in the brakes hard up the hill. Let the car slow because of the gravity of the hill. Then as you get to the top, some drivers use first. I prefer second to let the car get the power down into the second set of S's. Now you got to choose where you place this car over this blind crest and try to get the power down at the same time. Very tough. Into one of the coolest corners here, turn four. You're going to destroy this curve. Get the car on two tires. Back in the throttle hard in second gear and into turn seven, one of the slowest corners. First gear, let the car roll really hard to get the power down as you try to get accelerated here into the S's. And this portion of the racetrack is the rhythm section. You've got to nail the rhythm here to get the speed you want. Then as you come over this crest once again, you're putting the power down into third gear and into one of the fastest corners here, turn 10. Let the car roll a ton of speed in third gear, and then into one of the most famous corners, turn 11, the hairpin, really easy to lock the rear tires under braking, and then you let the car roll once again and try to get that power down in first gear. You notice how technical this racetrack is, how tight it is. So you may be wondering, where do you actually pass? Well, it's not gonna happen down here in turn one. It's not gonna happen in turn two or up these S's unless the drivers in front of you make a mistake. And for much of the race, you're gonna be conserving those rear tires. But what you're gonna be doing as you come through this first section into the second set of S's, you're going to be trying to set yourself up close enough to those cars in front of you for where you can pass. So as we come down to turn four, right on the back of the car in front of me, I want to get a good run off this corner, right into their rear bumper, get to the inside, and now I've got the position down into turn seven. Into first gear, I'm going to try and take this position, hold them off, get back in the gas, and now as we get through the S's, I've got them. I've got the position I want as we come up with this group of cars in front of us. This is how tight this place can get. And now, if I want to make another pass, there's only one other place to do it. That's going to be down in turn 11. So as I come through into turn 10, I want to get a very good run on the car in front of us. And just like you saw in turn 7, you're going to stick that nose out, get them spooked. They're going to try and block you as you go in here. Don't get in those tires. Let the car roll the speed. Try to hold the inside. And then once again, get the power down off the corner and accelerate towards the start-finish line. That can be the difference between winning or losing at Sonoma Raceway, Krista. And that was me in the 44 spinning out, by the way. Another element to this weekend, Kevin Harvick leads a trio of Cup Series drivers, uh, along with Blaney and Suarez, racing in Saturday's K&N Pro Series West race at Sonoma. Not a surprise to see some of the young Cup guys in this race, but Kevin Harvick? I'm interested this weekend to, to see um, what difference that the low downforce package makes at a road course, because I think it's going to be uh, a lot less grip. Um, you know, and, and Sonoma in the past has had a lot of trouble of, of getting the car to hook up off the corners. But on the flip side of that, you have stage racing this year. I think it's 25, 50, and then 110. So it's, um, 
you know, those those first two stages aren't even really in a you don't even have to run the car out of gas, so you don't have to worry about trying to get the get the tires to last till the end of the end of the stage. So it'll be interesting to to see how all that plays out. It will be. Let's turn back to you guys. Is that where you want to start is Kevin Harvick? That wasn't me, by the way, in that 44. I just want to point out. But this is interesting. You know, Harvick doing a little, I guess you'd say, extra credit. Yeah, I mean, I think what that proves, though, is just how different Sonoma is. That a, a, a NASCAR champion like Kevin Harvick, Max, would go out there and go, this isn't Xfinity or Trucks, and this isn't a knock on K&N, but the chance that he could literally go get outrun by some drivers that the fans have never even heard of. Absolutely. No, that proves to all the young guys that seat time is everything. So, you know, like a basketball player is home and he practices uh, his shots. You know, Kevin is going to do the K&N race uh, mainly to build his experience. And that talks tons of uh, humbleness, preparation, and uh, keeping a very close eye on the big picture. You know, the Sunday afternoon and uh, whatever you can do to get, be better prepared for those last 20, 30 laps, you got to do it. Well, so, DJ, I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot because huh. the road course ringer, the road course expert, he probably loved unloading on Friday, had a lot of comfort at Sonoma. We talked about preparation. We see iRacing, all the manufacturers now have simulators. Explain to the fan base as someone who self-admittedly isn't the, in love with Sonoma Raceway what that Friday is like when you only have 90 minutes to get it figured out before qualifying. Well, it took me a couple of years to figure out that part of Sonoma wasn't a dirt track. So I will tell you that much. So, yeah, it was difficult because, you know, I, that wasn't my background. And so trying to figure out how fast I could go knowing, you know, in, in the days they have good backup cars now, but you prepare one car. Right. So trying to go find the limits, Max, is difficult for a driver that, that's not accustomed to doing this all the time. And, and so I think that's what made it difficult was finding out how far I could go and making sure that when it came time to qualify, because we wanted a good starting spot, because passing is so difficult there, that that always made it difficult for myself. I think Kevin Harvick brings up a good point about the lower downforce here. I think it really could make a difference in the higher speed parts of this racetrack and getting the rear tires hooked up. And as well, to kind of, uh, you know, make it real with the spectator, basically, you can maybe, maybe run 20 laps before qualifying. That means 20 yeah. minutes right. of practice. Mm -hmm. And then, basically, you got to go and play the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. It's tough. Yeah. You know, it's tough to do it. And uh, obviously, for me, the less practice you guys had, the better <laughs> it was. But the more practice you guys had, you know, you caught up, you caught up, and that's maybe the reason why I'm here talking to you guys. I'm not sitting in the car because the road, road course ringer are kind of disappearing. And, you know, they, he, Kevin mentioned the stages in the race, but one thing that's changed over the years at Sonoma before you ever get to the race is qualifying. Yeah. Well, now there's this group qualifying, multiple cars on the racetrack at once, and Watkins Glen is very wide. You can get out of the way. Ovals, you can use the apron. Well, at Sonoma, there's no escape, not so much on your lap, but it's a long way, Max. You cross the start-finish line, you have to come all the way back around to Pitt Road. What do you do to stay out of somebody else's way? We've seen more cars blocked on their qualifying lap at Sonoma than perhaps any other track. I really feel that qualifying is going to be a way where you're going to see the real personality of people. You will understand who uh, has respect for others, who doesn't, and uh, it doesn't take much to be out of the way. You know, but when you well, then I got to make some phone calls because there was a lot of guys in our way a few years ago. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> most of the time is on purpose. Yeah, and it doesn't always just have to be in the way. You can run off the track and throw some dirt, Absolutely. gravel up on the track in certain parts of it for someone coming behind you. So, as you pointed out, we're going to see the personalities and what people are really made of. Uh, but they're competitors, and they want to do well.
it's all about uh, making the best of what you have and at times you know you know to win you gotta go a little bit above <laughs> well and now krista we talk a lot about sonoma we talk a lot about Watkins Glen. when you look again to next year the talk conversation of charlotte adding that road course in the playoffs now we'll be up to three road courses. so all this stuff that max is talking about and all this stuff that the regulars need to learn and lean on is only become more and more valuable as the seasons continue and we see more road course racing but absolutely you know steve like as you've seen uh, you know you see kevin harvey go and run the k&n car you know, Jimmy Johnson learned, you know, to be the, you know, and win races. You know, he went all the way to run Daytona 24-hour and everything. Mm-hmm. It's all about how much, you know, time you want to put in. And next year, you know, with the road course, uh, you know, here in Charlotte will be amazing. You know, I think it's going to be a great show. And uh, adding those two, three extra shift uh, ain't going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah, amazing because of that. I mean, it's just, you know, they're all different. You talk how different Sonoma is to Watkins Glen. Uh, the Charlotte race, I think we're all going to sort of be on the edge of our seat to see what happens. But for you, knowing uh, the, the nuances as you do, I like that you use the word amazing, Max. That's how you sum it up. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, when uh, you throw something new and a new challenge, it's always something like, you know, the, the people that really love the sport are going to raise up to the task. Yeah. And uh, both on the car side, on the driving side, and it's going to be all about preparation. And uh, I think it's, you know, who is a champion is going to really come out. All right. We can't wait to see that next season. But up next, the road trip. It's nearly done. If you're going to get a souvenir, your time is almost up. We will make our final two stops on the 50 States in 50 Shows Tour next. And then there were two, only two more states on our marathon road trip. So we start in Wisconsin, the dairy capital of the United States. That's pretty common knowledge. Did you also know that the first practical typewriter was designed in Milwaukee back in 1867. Milwaukee, such a great city. Also, the home of Harley-Davidson motorcycles. And snowmobiling is a way of life in the Badger State with over 15,000 miles of trails. So today's featured track brings us to Wassa and the State Park Speedway. This quarter-mile bullring, one of the most well-known short tracks in the Midwest. There's racing action at State Park. Actually, tonight, Beginning at 6 p.m. local time, State Park co-owned by former NASCAR driver Scott Wimmer, who was a six-time winner in the Xfinity Series. The Wimmer family purchased the facility back in 2009, given back to his home state. And short track racing legend Dick Trickle won the track's signature event, the Larry Deegans Memorial, on three occasions. Trickle is one of several Wisconsin drivers who left their mark in NASCAR. Names like Matt Kenseth, Alan Kowicki, Dave Marcus, and reigning truck series champ Johnny Sauter. All right, let's bring DJ in. Dale, you won at Milwaukee uh, what, Xfinity Series in 1995, but you continue to go back there as part of our broadcast team at Road America. Um, such a fun state. Do you still find that when you, ha- when you head back there? Oh, it's such a great place. They have great golf. They've got great racetracks, a great football team. So what's, what's there not to like about it? And, and you talked about uh, the winning at Milwaukee. That was a great day uh, for me in 1995. Uh, but I love going to Road America. And even though I never raced there, I've taken a lot of laps around there just in a passenger car to get to know it so it can talk about it uh, on those days that we cover the race. What a fun racetrack. And talking to the drivers, what a great time they have uh, in running this road course. And it's so much fun to cover. 
cover. I think every year we go there and we see something happening uh, happening that's a little bit different, and it makes you kind of shake your head. And when you walk away uh, enjoying something so much, you look forward to going back the next time. And, and you started all of that with golf. Very nice. Well, yeah, yeah. I can't play anymore, but I still love to watch and talk about it. Yeah, they just have a you, great U.S. Open uh, this past weekend. You say you can't play. Come on. Very <laughs> <No>. humble. <laughs> All right. Well, are you guys ready? We're uh, going to go on the final stop on the My Home Track Tour. We head to the great state of Wyoming. It might be the least populous state in the nation with less than 600,000 residents. But did you know it was the first state to give women the right to vote. And JCPenney was founded in Wyoming back in 1902. It now has over 1,000 locations nationwide. Remember that JCPenney Christmas catalog would come? That was always a big day in our house. Our final featured track, Sweetwater Speedway in Rock Springs, located in the southern region of the state. Three-eighths of a mile dirt track operated by the Sweetwater Dirt Track Alliance, a nonprofit group led by Kara Beach, whose husband Bert was a track champion back in 2014. The schedule runs from May through September featuring modifieds and street stocks. Now, Sweetwater, like many other short tracks, hosts a candy dash for kids each night of racing. But Sweetwater also features a beer dash just for adults. Now, that's what I like. Uh, I actually would like both of them, so that would be a tough, uh, tough decision for me. Maybe Sonoma could have a wine dash this weekend. So there you have it. We've covered all 50 states. Started with Alabama three months ago. Finished up with Wyoming. Along the way, we've had some fun paying tribute to all of those great local short tracks. Let's take a moment to relive them all. 50 states and 50 shows. We're taking this cross-country tour alphabetically. One of the very special events at Magic Valley, double-decker racing, the Winter Blast 100 on the snow-covered quarter mile. The crowd-pleasing jet drags. That's a jet engine inside a truck. It's amazing what little hometown tracks can do in having that family environment. He took Vicky on their first date to the track. He won the race, which bears his father's name. Eddie's brother and fellow racer Jerry is a living example of overcoming adversity. He had his right arm severed and reattached. He lost several fingers on his left hand. Two years ago, he captured both track and state title. That is what short track racing is all about. Look at the safer barrier out there. It's called pine trees. It's <laughs> safer barrier is called pine trees. I love that. You can see those tractor tires lying track. I'm not sure I'd want to hit those. They might grab the car a little bit. Like beating and banging and some fighting on the front stretch and in the pit. You can see right here, not only are the turns steep with the banking of 37 degrees, it's very, very rough. After the race was over, if you got out on the front straightaway and walked on it, it would literally pull your shoes off your feet. It was so sticky. Here is the wildest thing about South Alabama Speedway. In victory lane, the winner of the Rattler 250 is greeted by an Alabama rattlesnake. Hear that? That's a Rattler. Last year's winner, Blake Hahn, had a special guest in victory lane to give him the trophy, Parker, a 900-pound grizzly bear. I'm not sure I wanted to win that race. He could eat that trophy and him at the same time. Whose idea was it to kiss the cow at the Milk Bowl Invitational? That is not a cow. It's a genuine Vermont beauty. Everything starts at these short tracks it's in NASCAR. Class. It's fun to highlight them. Be there as another chapter in the Earnhardt legacy comes to a close. Dale Jr. takes to the track at historic Daytona International Speedway one last time. Join us Saturday, July 1st, only on NBC. Hard to believe we are just nine days away from our coverage of the NASCAR Cup Series on NBC and here on NBCSN. Speaking of the number nine, that was Bill Elliott's number for many years. In 1988, he won the Firecracker 400. 
by just 18 inches over Rick Wilson. Elliott won six races overall that year on his way to a series title. Well, sometimes when we lead into a feature piece, we have to pick our words carefully, write things down, and then tweak a little. Not for this one. I am simply going to say it involves zombies and Rutledge Wood. It seems far-fetched, but let's say zombie apocalypse really happens. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What's your plan? I know. This came out of nowhere. It's heavy. I wasn't expecting this. It's on everybody's minds these days. What's your plan, zombie apocalypse? Well, this is not a lie. It's a guy that lives near us that already has like a underground bomb shelter. He's a prepper. And he's he is a prepper. I've never been to Carl Edwards house or property, but uh, from what I've heard, he's prepared. It's always the ones you never think of, you know? There's a guy that used to race in our sport that doesn't race anymore that is a huge prepper. I've heard that! And I'm not going to call his name out. Have you heard uh, a former teammate of yours some people would label as a prepper? I have a lot of former teammates you're going to have to specify. I I won't say his name, but it rhymes with Schmarl Schmedwards. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know of any other drivers that would be labeled you know as preppers? Tank? Brad Keselowski wants a tank. Everybody wants a tank. That's the difference. That's an easy one. Who doesn't want a tank? I guess uh, I'll have to find out if Dale Jr. got his tank yet because maybe he'd go to his house and you know either hang out in the basement and, uh, and have a good time and wait for it to be over or get in the tank and go make some things happen. I don't even really know what a zombie outbreak is. I don't really get into any of that, that stuff, so I'm not super concerned about that right now. I've got, I've got a lot of redneck buddies with a lot of guns. Does, does guns kill the zombies, or can you kill somebody that's already dead? Yeah, well, I think it's like a kill shot to the head or something. Just on paper, I don't think it can happen, which is odd that people prepare for such a thing. Yeah. Let me ask I mean, you. I don't know if it would be that much different than preparing for an interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, will a zombie be killed with a flamethrower? What's not fun about a flamethrower? Fun to burn some zombies. Sure. We could burn that beard off your face with a flamethrower. Uh, zombie attacks in general was something I seen as it's like I don't freak out about. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that doesn't seem that scary to me. But if I did have to go somewhere, um, I don't know. I guess on a boat. Just live on a boat in the ocean, and you wouldn't have to go far. Like, I don't think zombies can swim, can they? I don't think they can. That's a genius idea. I mean, you really just need to be, like, 30 feet. Yeah, 30 feet offshore. I see it. So, if you really have to, you go get more supplies. But I mean, I've never seen a zombie swim. No, me either. First priority is gun store, obviously. Bars on the windows, all the guns and ammo you need. Get on the roof, protect that. If that's not available, you go to a bar. Why? Bars have literal bars on the windows, can't get in or out, and you can get up on the roof. And there's supplies there. There's beer, water, snacks. That's my plan. You know, you got to get a group of people, you know, no more than five, because other than that, you, you're wasting supplies. I already know the spots I'd go, actually, uh, around Mooresville. So it's going to happen eventually. We'll see if I'm around when it does. The fact that Ryan Blaney has put that much thought into this, number one, does not surprise me at all. And frankly, makes me like him that much more.
he has put a lot of thought in this. I, I'm in, I don't. I was going to say impressed, but I'm not sure that's the right word with being impressed. That I'm kind of along with Matt Kenseth uh, in, in my thinking, but that was pretty funny. It's actually cool to see the difference when when someone is 20 or when someone is 40. Yes. <laughs> what I learned from that entire piece is the next time uh, Rutledge asks if he can ask me a question, I'm just going to tell him no. Because <laughs> you're afraid. You're afraid of what it might be. Well, I'm always afraid what Rutledge is going to ask me, but um, the fact that he could do it with such a straight face, I've learned it. I don't want to be interviewed by Rutledge because I'm afraid is what he's going to ask me, and I'm a little scared to hang out with Clint Moore with his excitement with flamethrowers. That's a very good point. <laughs> I think you can learn a lot from those kind of You think leading into it, like, what does this have to do with anything? But you learn a lot about their personalities, and like Max said, the difference between a young driver and someone more mature uh, certainly came out in that. Uh, coming up, I recently sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with our colleague and friend Kyle Petty. It's part of a series here on NBCSN called Off Script. The full episode airs next week, but we will show you a sneak preview up next. Just another reminder, NASCAR America is heading to a new time beginning Monday, July 3rd. You can check us out at 5 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on NBCSN, 5 p.m. Eastern. Well, earlier this year, Catherine Tappan sat down with her colleague Jeremy Roenick to talk hockey and life off the ice. Well, the next edition of Off Script features Kyle Petty as he shares stories of growing up Petty and so much more. Here's a sneak preview. Here's what happened. This is a crazy, crazy Kyle Petty story. There's a racket in the attic. Just, it's like dominoes falling. And then right above our heads, one trophy sticks itself through the ceiling. I stopped about mid-court in a basketball game and flipped off the entire opposing grandstand. And I was going to be a pharmacist. And got thrown out of night school. And they kept saying I smelled like lacquer thinner and gasoline. He has a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and wears sunglasses at midnight. And you call him me weird? <laughs> it's crazy, man. You go on stage playing a guitar with 35,000 people. So I cut my hair and show up and I look good. I only raced in this one pair of underwear and they threw the underwear away. Dug through the dumpster, got the underwear. When I pulled them out, there was nothing left but the band. For the rest of that year, I just wore, wore the, band. the band. I just wore the band because that was the last of the luck I had. Just the band and another pair of underwear. No, just the band. Oh, just Kyle. the band. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> Off Script with Kyle Petty debuts again Friday, June 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. I hate to lead to you guys like that, but I mean, I'm going what, to. What do we even say after that, Krista? I mean, that's not a fair lead, but Off Script might be the perfect segue to Sonoma because Sonoma is very off script when it comes to the Cup Series. We talked about how challenging the track is, and you brought up a great point during the break about the first-timers, the rookies, the young drivers, how this track can be even tougher for them. Absolutely. Like, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the most challenging things will be for all these young, young guys. You know, we have a couple of young guys jumping in the car for the first time. They would want to run a lot in practice. You know, by the time they have the track figured out, uh, qualifying is going to happen. <laughs> you know, they're going to be, you know, that's a new challenge. The race is going to happen. And, uh, you know, think about it when you're 15 laps into the race and you can only go maybe 80% throttle. Right. Because you're going to spin even down the straight, you know. With the, and it's uh, it's going to be definitely an eye-opener for, for a couple of these guys. Yeah, and trying to go fast and getting used to the racetrack on Friday and Saturday and then trying to figure out how to pass, that's something totally different, right, Max? Absolutely. You know, there 
there are, you know, it's almost like uh, playing two different games. Yeah. You know, being by yourself and then, uh, you know, how much you want to use your car, you know, to pass someone. And, uh, you know, definitely like the, the skill of passing someone on the road course is setting him up and as well at times catch people by surprise in places where they're not expecting it. And... Uh, at times, you know, that works. Well, we have steering wheels up here, not just from cool props, but Max, Mr. <laughs> steering Wheel. This is your company that builds these steering wheels. But to prove just how much changes when you go to you a road course, almost even the steering wheel. So this would be basically a standard steering wheel that would be used at the Cup Series, about the size. And, Max, you're saying yeah. there'll be cars this weekend that will have a, a steering wheel that small in the Absolutely. car. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, something that is very unique about, you know, road courses is that you can actually actually change everything. Position of the seat and steering wheel, it's a big part. You know, usually in road course you run a smaller wheel because you want to have more reaction out of the car. So it's like running a faster steering box. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the adjustments that you usually do. And you as a crew chief, I'm sure, you know, you've seen guys going from a 16-inch wheel on the super speedway down to a 14 to a 13-inch. And smaller the wheel, faster reaction out of the car. And uh, uh, got to have that, you know, when you have 14 corners. Yeah, and the technology in this has really just amazed me forever. It was just something for the driver to hold on to, but now it can be a performance item. Krista, it can be a safety item. There's so much technology that goes into this wheel. You know, unfortunately, in a big accident, your arms can hit it, your helmet can hit it. It can't just be a steel band. So this Obviously. has become a very serious part of the race car. As you said, you know, the steering wheel is, is as much of a safety device. The steering wheel needs to deform under an impact, but mm -hmm. only under a certain load. Right. So hopefully people don't test it out. <laughs> That's the goal, Chris. So don't test it out. Yeah, the progression and the innovation of steering wheels that, that Max and his wife Tatiana have done there with the company, absolutely amazing. Uh, do we have time for, for a pick? I want to know uh, who you guys think. A expert first. I'm yeah, not going in front of you. For this weekend. I mean... Like, uh, I know that this is going to be a bit of an odd pick, uh, but I feel that this weekend might be the Clint Boyer weekend. Flamethrower weekend. Yeah, I Clint Boyer. So. All right. He's got it done out there before, yeah. So right. uh, I'm going with Kyle Busch. Okay. Yeah. Kyle Busch. Well, I'm going to take another Joe Gibbs car. I'm going to go with Danny Hamlin. I think he had car enough to win it last year. Was racing Tony Stewart, a little bit sensitive. Not this year. This year, he might be the guy doing the moving into turn 11. Get that Joe Gibbs Toyota first win of the year. Still winless for Joe Gibbs. Sonoma's the breakthrough. All right. We'll have to see what happens. Our thanks, Max. Thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. You guys have fun, and see you next time. Okay. Sounds good. That is all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back Monday at 530 Eastern. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.